0: Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, here we are a week out from Thanksgiving, a couple of weeks away from Christmas, and news is not exactly slowing down. We're in the middle of this evolving run-up to the 2022 legislative session. And unless you've been under a rock for the past week, and if you have been under a rock for the past week, congratulations on getting out from under, and thank you for prioritizing and listening to this podcast. But if you have not been under a rock for the past week, you know about the ongoing controversy about Boise State Professor Scott Yenner and his remarks about feminism and families. To break all of this down, I'm joined this week by Melissa Davlin. She is the host of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television. Here's our conversation. Well, Melissa, thanks for coming back to the podcast this week. So I feel like there's the elephant in the room that we're gonna have to talk about and wanna talk about later, but there are some things we should talk about first. Let's start with one of the things we should talk about first. Um, Associated Taxpayers of Idaho, it's kind of the unofficial runoff to the legislative session. You listened in on Wednesday. Listen to Governor Little, what did he uh, have to say and what jumped out at you?
1: You know, Governor Little spent most of the speech talking about his um, and the state's successes that that Mm -hmm. he saw as what the state has done really really well you know um he he the fact that idaho is by many measures the least regulated state um right. that we have had the most economic growth that we have one of the lowest unemployment rates um so to be sure it came off as a campaign speech yeah definitely uh, feels that way absolutely but he also pointed to a few of his priorities for this upcoming legislative session um, and he didn't give very many details and, and, that's not uncommon, um, before the state of the state, which is held in January at the beginning of the session, you know, it, it's very common for governors to keep that mm-hmm. hand of cards, cl- you know, they don't want to, they don't want to tip their hands on that, but he did say that he hopes to freeze the base for Idaho employers for calculating their unemployment insurance taxes. So the idea is that that's going to save um, $64 million for Idaho businesses over the next two years when you freeze that base by which um, those taxes are calculated. Now, businesses are going to get notice soon from the state that those tax rates are going to go up, but um, both Janie Revere And Governor Little told Betsy Russell from the Idaho press that they hope to get this taken care of soon enough in the session that businesses won't be paying that bill before their first quarter. They, They hope that this is going to be a high enough priority that it will save businesses. And the idea is consumers, Idahoans, a whole lot of money in the long run.
0: And to the surprise of probably nobody in the room, he hinted at another round of tax relief which is going to be one of the big issues in an election year legislative session when you just happen to have 1.6 billion dollars sitting around
1: right who hasn't had this problem that they need to figure out how to spend 1.6 billion dollars right. in, in surplus um totally relatable know this exactly you know, this is in addition to the the growth that we've had in our state the the budget that they had already uh, set, which was a record high, and so remember too that we got a lot of federal um, uh, federal stimulus dollars huh. for things like transportation and infrastructure and and COVID relief money. My gosh, so it's a shocking amount of money that the state is sitting on right now. So Governor Little listed out his priorities, and none of them are going to be a surprise. Tax relief is the first thing that he mentioned. Um, Property tax was a big theme at Associated Taxpayers of Idaho's conference as well, um, but but he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that across the board. Whether we're looking at the corporate income tax, um, personal income tax, we're we're looking at another round of tax relief for Idahoans. But we're also looking at, he said investment in schools, investment in clean water, and investment in transportation. Those are the three pillars that he mentioned, saying that, that this is something that affects Idahoans in their everyday lives. He didn't say how much he's thinking in either tax relief or those investments, but those are going to be the themes of his state of the state.
0: Well, and definitely, and, and we're already kind of seeing some of that unfold in terms of some of the initiatives that we expect in the education space. I mean, I wrote this week about all day kindergarten and we're talking about depending on whether you like uh, the state board's proposal, which has an estimated price tag of 42 million or state superintendent Shuri Barr's plan with an estimated price tag of 39 million. It feels really small when you have a $1.6 billion surplus.
1: It, it's a very small percentage of that. When we're thinking about like, oh, a $39 million investment, if we're thinking about that in terms of, say, a business owner or everyday Idahoans, that's a lot of money. But the percentage of that in that $1.6 billion surplus that we have on top of the federal stimulus money, on top of what the state already has in its coffers, it it's such a small investment that... Could potentially, you know, and if we're talking to educators and parents, would make a huge difference in the early education of so many Idaho children.
0: And and I get it whether we're talking about all day kindergarten or whether we're talking about tax relief or investments in water or transportation. We're talking about long term investments, long term tax policy decisions. And the surplus is one-time money. But even so, I mean, $1.6 billion gives you a lot of space to do a lot of different things. But even in light of all of that, and you, you mentioned it kind of at the beginning, that the tone that the governor took talking about successes, did that so, tone strike you at all strange in that, you know, we're still a state dealing with some very real in-the-moment challenges. We're just coming out of crisis standards of care. We're still... You know, we're still working our way through the Delta variant, and now we don't know what the new variant might uh, might have in store. You've got, you know, concerns about the housing market in in the Treasure Valley. I mean, you get some real life life concerns that it didn't make it into the speech.
1: Hey. They were mentioned very briefly in the speech, certainly not crisis standards of care, but Governor Little lauded small business owners who he said kept their employees and customers safe during these challenging times that we have seen unprecedented growth uh, during what should have and could have um, just devastated the state economically. To be clear, there was certainly devastation that some Idahoans felt. If they were shut down during the stay at home orders, they couldn't figure out how to adapt to this, this new climate. Um, th- there were a lot of challenges and people felt that. But the rebound as a whole, the picture overall shows that Idaho is in pretty good shape. Now, we heard mentions of COVID and the effects of the economy throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly it affected, um, the, the charts and the data that the economists and the bankers have been looking at because it's hard to, you know, get the full picture and measure the growth when there's like a massive dip in March and April, 2020, and then a spike when they got so much COVID relief money and, you know, it, we still don't yet have a clear picture of how this is going to stabilize because we're still I, society got knocked on its butt <laughs> between hundreds of thousands of people in this country dying
0: mm-hmm. and
1: people yeah. losing their jobs and the massive amount of uncertainty and travel shutdowns and so, and so many things. We still don't know how that's going to stabilize. The very real challenges that that presents, coupled with the ridiculous rise in property taxes and housing costs, those were definitely themes throughout the day. That Everyone seemed to agree that Idaho is in a really good place to make some lasting fundamental changes to things like the property tax structure the question is what
0: that's going to look like and maybe it's to be expected that the tone that we heard from the governor and the overall tone that we heard this week at ATI was different than the tone that we heard a couple of weeks ago when the legislature came to town because legislature was supposed to talk only about vaccine mandates and coronavirus so by nature that session was going to have a very confrontational tone a very you know a very adversarial tone as opposed to the governor taking a tone of talking about investments and tax relief and you know long-term future right right, this forward-thinking approach as opposed to maybe reaction to the pandemic and the vaccine mandates but I I think both of those themes both of those messages both of those mindsets are going to shape this next session makes it makes for a very interesting session
1: i would point to to the very different audiences that were at the you know reconvene legislative session in Mm mid-november and ati the folks in the audience at ati there were a lot of bankers there were a lot of business owners and and lobbyists and and people who are looking at the the big picture as it relates to Idaho's economy and Idaho's tax structure. A lot of the people who showed up to testify at the legislature and set the tone through their testimony during those committee hearings were against not just vaccine mandates on the federal level, but also many different kinds of COVID mitigation efforts. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard testimony about masking and testing and you know, testimony denying the existence and severity um, erroneously and, and falsely, the, the severity and existence of the pandemic in the first place that really set the tone for both of these events they were very very different but they were both shaped by covid and it really listening to them they both they both happened in different universes Mm -hmm. than what i think healthcare workers are experiencing on the ground as they're caring for these covid positive patients
0: and i don't think there's any question as i came out of that three day reconvened session where no bills passed with the inescapable conclusion that we're going to see see these bills in just a few weeks you know, bills to ban mask mandates at the local level, bills to you know restrict what schools can do in the way of pandemic protocols. That bill actually passed the house during that reconvened session. That's all coming back. and that whole, That whole message that whole mindset that whole agenda will be back in this legislative session in 2022 regardless of what happens with the with the new variant
1: exactly i i think that if that session and that amount of denial happened on on the tail end of the devastation that the delta variant brought to our state i mean we saw hundreds of deaths in September alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I spoke to so many healthcare workers um, about the devastation that they were seeing in their ICUs and their emergency rooms. I toured an ICU and I mean, they, they coded a patient while I was there and he was one of several who did not survive the day in that ICU. So you yeah. have that reality in the hospitals mm-hmm. and then a completely different conversation that was happening in the state house just a month and a half later,
0: right.
1: you know? So if, at, if, if people were not paying attention, if that didn't get through to people in September at the height of this, I don't know if anything will. And I don't mean that to sound pessimistic. I just think that's the reality of the situation that if if you're not there and you're not in the ICUs and you're not working with these folks um, and you haven't been directly affected by it and you've already made up your mind, that's the key. If you've already made up your mind and you have
0: and you haven't been directly affected, I think that's where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, we can't do an education podcast this week without uh, talking about Scott Ganner and the controversy that continues to unfold surrounding his uh, his comments. There is so much to unwrap here mm-hmm. and so little time to do it, but we'll we'll take some time to. Uh, unwrap the uh, uh, unwrap the the best or the worst or the most uh, interesting of this this whole episode
1: notable I will say notable I'll let you start
0: oh well um, yeah there was this has taken on such a life of its own and it's been such a such an unusual story to see uh, unfold I mean the timetable I'm still struck by the timetable I mean you go back to it was October 31st that Yenner made these remarks in, in Orlando. And nobody really talked about it here. Nobody, I think, really knew about it until it uh, took, uh, took life you know, on social media during Thanksgiving week, and now it's picked up even more. And, you
1: know, he posted the speech himself.
0: Okay. You know, yeah,
1: he, it was it was during Thanksgiving week, as you said, and he, he quoted himself. And, and pointed to the part of the speech where he said that you know today's independent woman is more medicated meddlesome and quarrelsome than she needs to be so that that was something that he put out there um you know after almost a month of this not getting any attention and nobody knowing that it even happened and then i think it went viral after a TikTok tock
0: right user, okay
1: um, commented even further on it but uh certainly you know, the, the, I listened to the whole 15-minute speech.
0: Mm-hmm. Same you know, here. Of
1: what, yeah, and, and so he, he touched on many points. Um, I think, he you know, he, he was trying to argue for the idea of a strong family unit, which is something that sociologists and political scientists and economists and so many people have been talking about for a very, very long time. The key is most of those people didn't, point at women calling women in the workplace you know meddlesome and quarrelsome um, and putting the blame on them for issues in society and I think I, I think that's the key you can have a conversation and it's an important one about the role of family in society but going a step further and saying we should actively, not recruit women into STEM careers, Mm -hmm. that women are more meddlesome and quarrelsome than they need to be. I mean, those are pretty negative connotations. Um, I think that's an objective thing to say. (laughs) And So, you know, he's a tenured professor at Boise State University. Academic freedom is a value that so many people treasure, but then there's this question that a lot of people have been raising on social media. about how much power he has over grading women mm-hmm. about, yeah. you know, allowing other people's academic careers to advance. If he has any say over their own tenure. Um, and so it, I think these are, these are interesting conversations that are playing out in a very, very public way. He responded um, after he had been interviewed on various conservative podcasts and, um, and and double down right um but but a lot of the things that he's pointing to at, at like increased rates of suicide and depression and people seeking help for mental health treatment he never makes the direct connection to women in stem careers you know he he spoke to he he spoke mockingly of women seeking mid-level careers in things like environmental protection and marketing. Um, That takes it a step beyond talking about the role of family in society and strong families.
0: And I don't want to diminish anything about the controversy around his comments about feminism controversy around his comments about the family unit, but I am struck by his comments about the education system. And maybe that's my my mindset as an education reporter, but I am struck by two things that we saw unfold in this whole thing. First, you have a tenured professor at a public university saying, we need to de-emphasize colleges and universities. Not, not just de-emphasize it in terms of Women maybe shouldn't pursue careers in STEM. De-emphasize it across the board. That it is slowing down the development of men and women, and it's slowing down the you know the path to you know functional family units. That you know universities and colleges and campuses have had that kind of a role. That's coming from a, a professor at a public university. And I was struck by. I think we were both struck by Boise State's response on Wednesday, uh, putting out a statement, basically saying, women are welcome on our campus. You know, that it, we're at a, this point in time where a, a public university has to make that kind of a statement. It, it was, that was a bizarre statement, I thought. I
1: mean, in the year of our Lord, 2021, <laughs> making a statement that women are welcome on our campus, that was a hell of a thing to say. It really, wow. Uh, and, and I'm sure that they are thrilled to be in this position. That they felt the need to clarify that women are welcome on their campus. Um, no, I, I don't. I I don't envy the position that they've been put in because they're you know th- this has now gotten national media attention, and there are people commenting on social media that hey, I'm not going to send my daughter to BSU anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah. that.
1: They they have some major damage control to do over this fifteen minute speech that happened a month and a half ago, um, but twenty
0: five hundred miles from campus.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but there were some there were some parts of that speech that man, oh man, it, these conversations about the role of family. It's not like he invented this concern this is not the first time that this has come up That you can have those conversations without demonizing women in the workplace and that's the difference you can you can talk about all of the reasons that 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 depression rates are going up and it's not just because women are in the workplace let me tell you (laughs) in in 2021
0: there are a lot of mitigating factors that are leading to mental health issues
1: factors i mean mean, let's let's go back to the conversation about the lack of child care affordable reliable child care and enough child care workers in this country and that's something that benefits both men and women let's talk about the rising housing prices and the fact that Realistically, a family of four cannot survive on one income in this state anymore. With the way housing prices have gone up, with the way inflation has affected our grocery bills. You know, would would either my husband or I love to stay at home and be a one income household? absolutely i think that's true of a lot of people you know if that's their choice but there are so many different mitigating factors and putting it all on women all on women is the difference that he made that he chose to make in his speech
0: and it feels like it's something that we're going to hear more about again when the legislature comes to town in in a month because It isn't that Scott Yenner is somebody who came from out of nowhere and became a controversial, polarizing figure just in the past two weeks. I mean, you know, Scott Yenner served on Janice McGeehan's task force, the indoctrination task force. He wrote a white paper about social justice programs. At Boise State University, at the university that employs him uh, on the beh- at the behest of the Idaho Freedom Foundation, he co-authored that. And I feel like, you know, his comments about higher education and higher education's role as uh, indoctrination factories, that's still going to resonate with legislators who cut higher education's budget last year and would, would like to take another run at higher education budgets again. The Boise State response and the response from parents and, you know, the response to the response from Boise State, I think is going to resonate when, when the university comes before uh, the legislature to, uh, to make its budget presentation. I mean, this is, this is not a story that's going to go away anytime soon.
1: And the other thing I want to touch on is, is there's been some pushback I've seen on social media with people saying this guy just wants attention. Don't give it to him. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that agree with him or not, think he should be fired or not. He's already in a position of power. As, as we talked about before, he is in a position where he can grade students. He can have input on other people's tenure Mm tracks. So many different ways in which he already has power.
0: So it, And he is a public figure. He is a cause celeb in this whole debate about culture wars on campus. I mean, the right has embraced him as a, you know, know, as one of their own, as as kind of an intellectual, uh, you know, know, touchstone for that for that. Really right,
1: it. exactly. And and so so giving him, you know, undue attention, he's not a random internet troll who's just harassing people for fun. He is somebody in a position of influence and power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, he he was on the indoctrination task force. He he already has that influence and scrutinizing his public comments, which may or may not influence his grading practices and his uh, his mentoring practices, when he is at a public university, I think is entirely fair game. Um, you know, and, and I, I am, am somebody, I, I love the First Amendment, and I love academic freedom, and and he absolutely has the right to say what he's going to say. Everybody else also has the right to look at what he is saying and to give their own thoughts on it.
0: And people have had thoughts. I think we can agree. Everybody listening can agree. People have had thoughts.
1: Some of them are meddlesome and quarrelsome.
0: Yeah. Just you know, typical, uh, typical week between Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. You know, slow news week here. And. <laughs> I thought you were
1: say Typical ladies <laughs> having meddlesome and quarrelsome thoughts.
0: <laughs> that didn't even enter my thought process. I, I no. Wow. I feel slightly triggered here.
1: <laughs> Sorry to trigger you.
0: But that's okay. Thanks for uh, coming on and helping break down another typical week. Typical week. Very normal. Yeah, normal stuff. Move along, nothing Thanks to see. For having me. Thanks. Again, that was Melissa Davlin, the host of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television. That'll take care of the podcast this week. But go to IdahoEdNews.org. If you want more information about basically anything that Melissa and I talked about, you can find stories that will get you up to speed. I have coverage of the Scott Yenner story. We also have a guest opinion from a Boise State Senator on the situation. From our friends at Idaho Capital Sun, Clark Corbin in particular, we have a story from the Associated Taxpayers of Idaho meeting. You can see what Governor Brad Little had to say about tax relief. I have an in-depth look at the all-day kindergarten issue and how that might unfold during the 2022 legislative session. And another story you're going to want to check out, Devin Bodkin has a piece regarding allegations involving the former chair of the board of another choice virtual charter school and how that might affect uh, that school's operations going forward. That is a story you can find only at Idaho Education News. So check us out on the homepage, idahoadnews.org. Follow us on Twitter. We will tweet out links to our stories and bulletins on any breaking items. Follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And check back here for another edition of the podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.